Cordova You know my soul back in wonder I'll make it over I made it over. Hello, everyone. This is Lisa DeLay, and you are listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. This is Soul School, Lesson 128, Hunger of the Heart. Today we will be learning a little bit about Howard Thurman. There will be a lot of show notes available at patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse including some really good Negro spirituals that I found that you will really enjoy. I'm getting some of my Howard Thurman material from the website called howardthurmanfilm.com. This has the information for a film that is being put together by Arlie Prelau, who's directing and producing the film. And because there are recordings of Howard Thurman and his voice is such a beautiful one, I'm putting audio of his own voice in this program today. All the links and all the resources where I have obtained this audio will be in the show notes and can be found at patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse for this episode or go to sparkmymuse.com for Soul School Lesson 128 and click the link to find out more. The film about Howard Thurman that is being produced right now could use your donations. It's called The Psalm of Howard Thurman. It is the first feature-length documentary film on the life and wisdom of one of the world's greatest spiritual treasures. Howard Thurman was born in 1899 and died in 1981. He was born in Daytona, Florida, and he was raised by his grandmother, because his father died when he was seven years old and his mother went to work. His grandmother was a young woman during the Civil War, and she was born enslaved on a plantation in northern Florida. Thurman went to high school in Jacksonville. Then he went to Morehouse College in Atlanta. From there, he went to study at the seminary in Rochester, Rochester Theological Seminary. He went back to Morehouse to be a professor. He was in charge of the chapel and the dean there of the chapel. He was a professor at Howard University in Washington, D.C., and in 1935, he went to India with a delegation of people and met Gandhi. In 1953, Thurman became nationally and internationally respected and accepted the racially groundbreaking appointment as the dean of Marshall Chapel at Boston University. During the civil rights movement, Thurman acted as an advisor, counselor, and mentor to movement leaders. There is a tremendous library of his readings, his meditations, audio of his sermons, and these continue to inspire a new generation of people worldwide who seek inner and social wholeness. It's my deep hope that I can bring a lot more about Howard Thurman, the people who listen to this show, who want to live contemplative whole lives and also be involved in the important issues of our day in activism and be root, have a rooted center and connection that is rich with other people. I'm going to be in contact with scholars of Howard Thurman, including Dr. Larita Coleman-Brown, 
in an upcoming episode. And make sure that a wider variety of people, a new generation, and people outside of scholarship are aware of his work and are aware of the kind of life and spirituality and spiritual practice that was part of his life and part of his legacy. As you listen to two excerpts in this episode, I hope you will appreciate his deliberateness in his speech, in his manner. I hope you will soak these in, listen to them more than one time. I hope you'll appreciate the music, which is part of the traditional Negro spiritual that was also utilized in the civil rights movement in the 1960s. Because our world is still unjust, because there is still systematic racism and inequality, and the plight of people of color is still great in the United States and around the world, we need these teachings of Howard Thurman and the mystics now more than ever to keep the water of the wells of our spirit full and rich and alive. So we have the resilience and the power sourced in the divine for what it takes for the long haul to make sure that justice is served for the least of these, for the poor and the disenfranchised. And I hope that as I include more of Howard Thurman and include more of his life and his work and his ideas, that you will come into a greater appreciation of them and be able to absorb these concepts and these notions and these ways into your own life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the
He's in his 80s. He used to be dean of the chapel at Boston University. His name, Howard Thurman. Religious experience is dynamic. It's fluid. It's, it's uh, effervescent. It's yeasty. All, all these words. But the mind can't handle that. So it has to imprison the religious experience in some way, get it bottled up. Then, when it gets quiet enough, it meaning the religious experience, then the mind draws a bead on it and extracts out of this ferment concepts, notions, dogmas, so that the religious experience will make sense to the mind. But meanwhile, the religious experience goes on experiencing. Therefore, whatever creed there is, whatever theology there is, it's always a little out of date. This is why I feel that once a religion is stated in terms of dogma or intellections, perhaps, then it can become the source of propaganda. It has something that it, a handle, it can, but as long as the experience is vital, the only way that it can spread is by contagion, not by instruction, not by addressing the mind, but something you catch as you catch the measles, for instance, that's what I mean. When you speak like this, are you at one with uh, people who would think this way in all traditions? You're not saying oh, yes. a Protestant thing. No, it's the nature of religious experience, it seems to me, whatever kind it is. One wall of his office is covered with citations, honorary degrees, awards, and in the middle is a faded photograph of his grandmother, who started life as a slave. He counts her first among those from whom he took his religious contagion. My, my grandmother, for instance, uh, who was a young woman when the Civil War was fought, and who um, uh, therefore was a slave in North Florida, uh, had the responsibility for, for taking care of us. My father died when I was very small, seven years old, and my mother became the breadwinner. But my grandmother was the anchor person who held us. And whenever she observed, that I was, the water was getting low in my well, you know, or, uh, or my sister's well. Uh, she would tell us something out of her past. And it was the same story always, and, and we waited for it. Uh, she said that when she was a young woman on this plantation, once a year, or maybe more frequent, I don't remember that detail, the, a slave minister, a, ma a minister who was a slave on a neighboring plantation, was permitted to have a religious service for the slaves. And always, it didn't matter what his subject was, he ended his sermon in the same way. She said he would stand and look at them and he would say, You are not slaves, you are not niggers. You're God's children. And, I, and when my grandmother 
would say this. We would all wait for that moment because a faraway look would come in our eyes and, and just a slight stiffening of a spine. And there was a contagion which, which came to us as little children that, uh, that the, the, the creator of existence also created me. And therefore, with that sort of backing, I could absorb all the violences of life. an inward sea and in that sea there is an island and on that island is an altar And there stands God over that altar, the angel with the flaming sword. And nothing can get by that angel to be placed on that altar. Unless it has the mark of your inner authority upon its brow. And what gets by the angel with the flaming sword and is placed on your altar, on your island, in your sea becomes a part 
of what a friend of mine calls the fluid area of your consent, the center of your consent. And what becomes the center of your consent is your connecting link with the eternal. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure to come back next week and I will have something new. God bless you. Tell me how we got over love. I've been falling and rising all these years. But you know my soul look back and wonder how did I make it over? But soon as I can see Jesus, the man that died for me, man that bled and suffered, and he hung on Calvary, and I want to thank him for how he brought me, and I want to thank God for how